It's the Locked on Canes podcast. My name is Fred Purdue. I am your host, and it is still FSU week. We have a ton to unpack. We have players returning from injuries. We have a special guest to help talk about some of the things going around the program. Also, we have recruiting. Recruiting is the lifeblood of college football, but it gets a little bit more personal when the two rivals go at for go at it for one player. We have Florida State, we have Miami, and who are the players that they are fighting for and who might just flip their recruitment? Maybe, just maybe, depending on who wins this game. But before we jump into things, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes and follow myself on Twitter at Fred Produce CFB. Also, don't forget, leave us your questions for the Friday mailbag. You can leave those questions with the hashtag L-O-C mailbag. Now, let's talk a little Canes football. We have a quarterback that was named uh, on today, Jaron Williams. He beat out Nikosi Perry for the starting quarterback job for this game against Florida State. Uh, I did say that uh, I thought he would be the best option. Uh, the one thing I did say, he was able to push the ball down the field. He can make all of the throws. He uh, may throw an interception every now and then, but up until that Virginia Tech game, he hadn't done anything like that. Uh, the one thing I did have to say was uh, Nikosi just he's a nice – extender play extender but he's not the most accurate guy it does it does hurt the team sometimes uh that jaron isn't the most mobile guy but he's mobile enough to make plays uh a lot of the pit game a lot of the florida game we saw those things happen so i'm i'm pretty confident to see him in this game it'll be a, a it'll be nice and refreshing to see him come back and and finish off the season if he can hold off Nikosi in, in their week-to-week battles. I think he prepares a little bit better. Uh, he's also a better passer. He can read defenses a little better. So that's something that's going to be huge for this program going forward. Uh, athletic, we do have to send our condolences out to former Miami Hurricanes athletic director Sam Jankovic, who passed away at the age of 84. So uh, I do want to give my condolences out to his family. Uh, Jankovic was the architect of the 1980s Miami Hurricanes teams that yielded three national championships. Uh, again, my thoughts and prayers are out going out to that family. Uh, it, it, no one ever wants to see. Uh, unfortunately, death is a thing that's going to happen, but no one uh, wants to experience that. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to them. Also, we have running back DJ Dallas and linebacker Michael Pinckney. They were cleared to play against FSU like they weren't going to play. We knew they were going to play. Uh, they, you'd have to break their legs, break their arms for them not to play. These two players are going to be huge uh, in the overall grand scheme of things for this team, this offense. Uh, I look at how DJ is a, a tough runner. He needs to be able to get his carries, but I think he'll be on load management a bit. Uh, Michael Pinckney is the other leader on defense. He's going to have to uh, come back and be able to cover, play the run. Uh, Mike, uh, he's a pretty good run stuffer. Uh, when I look at how Florida State operates offensively, uh, they are a box count type of offense where they want to see how many, if you put seven or eight in the box, they're throwing. If you put five or less, they're running. And because they you they know what you're going to do uh, pretty well, I, I expect a ton of run game. They're going to sp- spread you out sideline to sideline, three receivers, four receivers, trip sets, uh, two by two sets. You're going to see a lot of 
a different window dressing with this team. And the one thing I want to, I hope to see is that this this linebacking core, this senior-laden linebacking core, is able to take on the run. And if they can take that run game away of Cam Akers, they can kind of control the game. Unfortunately, um, I want to see more uh, from this defense that doesn't seem like the same defense from the last two seasons. And those defenses were turning the ball over at a much higher rate. So we'll definitely see how that affects the team going forward. In more quarterback news, we have Tate Martell, the former Ohio State quarterback transfer that Came in, didn't win the job, transferred over to wide receiver, and now wants back into the quarterback room. I think he may see some uh, writing on the wall uh, as far as how this whole QB battle thing is going to work out. He hasn't, he wasn't with the team last week. He's back with the team this week. Um, he essentially is the third string quarterback, but again, with this team right now, you're just one injury away from being the guy. Uh, I think Tate can bring something very similar to the Wildcat type of thing. I don't see him as a great passer, even a good passer of the football, but I do see a guy that can be the eyes and ears on the field. I also see that he can be a guy that could potentially extend plays. We just haven't seen enough of him at quarterback to even warrant a real evaluation. So the one thing I need to see more, I want to see more. I don't know when we'll see more. More than likely, if he doesn't transfer again, which if he does, you know, that's somewhat the end of his chapter. I mean, uh, I don't think he's he will find another opportunity that will be will present itself like this, uh, where you have two quarterbacks ahead of you, but they aren't they, they've struggled a bit. So uh, when I look at Tate Martell, I see a guy that could be a depth guy. He could be a guy who could challenge a position, but I don't necessarily see where he could pretend, he could be the guy to carry your team per se. He has a he had an impressive college uh, impressive high school record, but uh, when you're at a school like Bishop Gorman, it's not that difficult to do when you have a lot of the top talent from around not only the area but also around the state and country. So um, I, I don't really see what can what can his Role be, I'm not sure, but we'll definitely keep an eye on this issue going forward for Tate Martell, who again has been a transfer at, at Ohio State, transferred to as a quarterback, then came switched positions at wide receiver, didn't get a lot of playing time, and is now back in the quarterback room. Now at the top of the show, I did say that we we would have a special guest uh, to t- help us talk about some of the things that are surrounding the Miami Hurricane program. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's a Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it.
Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. And now I want to bring on a, a special guest of the show. Welcome back, Manny, uh, from The Athletic. Thanks for having me on, Fred. Appreciate it, man. Definitely, man. Uh, before we kind of jump into this thing, because we've been talking Miami Hurricanes, and we're deep diving into this team as it's Florida State week, um, tell the fans, let the fans know where they can find you on social media and things like that. Yeah, uh, obviously you can uh, follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm probably the most active on social media. Uh, that would be at Manny underscore Navarro. And um, all of my work, uh, as far as my written work, it's published for The Athletic. And I also have a, a podcast uh, that I do as well, uh, the Wide Right Podcast, and they can follow that on Twitter, at Wide Right Pod, uh, and that's that's uh, that's where you can get the uh, the podcast. All right, so we got the house cleaning out of the way. So now, you know, it's Florida State Week. We know what that means. If you don't win any other game, you better win this one. So <laughs> what is the atmosphere like around, you know, Kane's practice? Really, just everything around the program right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like they're coming off that win at Pittsburgh, and it feels like there was some life uh, that was kind of pushed back into the season. You know, um, obviously the Georgia Tech loss was devastating, and I think the guys are really frustrated um, that the record is 4-4 four and four overall. But I feel like the win at Pittsburgh and, and considering some of the stuff the team went through off the field where they had this players-only meeting last week and, you know, some, some guys got called out for being selfish and, and whatnot. Um it feels like, you know, that, that, that there's a renewed hope, there's a renewed focus, and, and certainly FSU, I think, has gotten their, the players' attention. You know, I mean, they, they were all talking about it as soon as the Pittsburgh game was over. I mean, they were playing, like, the war chant inside the locker room, you know, to kind of fire themselves up for it. So I think, you know, I think they're, they're going into this game hopeful that they can pull off a W and, and sort of put their season back on track. You know, when we and we talked about we've been talking about accountability throughout the show, and I think there was a, a bit of a team meeting throughout the throughout last week going into the pit game, and you know, like you said, there was some some players that got called out, and I guess some people were in their feelings a little bit, but sometimes you need that because to bring a team together. What was the what what did you kind of get out of that when when the players were talking about it during the press conferences throughout the week? Do you feel that that's going to carry over now or was that just a one time thing last week going into pit? You know, obviously, I mean, players only meetings, it's it's not just something that happens at Miami. It happens like in every locker room and in every sport pretty much. I mean, I've seen it over the years and all the years that I've been covering uh, sports here in South Florida. You know, I've seen where, you know, the Miami Heat, the Miami Marlins, the Dolphins. I've been in, in those situations where all of a sudden the locker room doors close and the players are in there screaming at each other. So, you know, I think for Miami, for the Hurricanes perspective, you know, this was something that was needed. Um, you know, Manny Diaz has talked about accountability, as you said, and, you know, really what he wants to see is not just guys owning up to their mistakes, but he wants to see teammates policing themselves. This isn't, sh this shouldn't be something that, the coaches should have to harp on because they yell at these guys enough once the players start to yell at each other and get on each other that's the kind of sign that you, you know you can see that a team is really coming together and that things are going to get better because there's no there's no pressure like the pressure from a teammate you know when you let them down and I think for a long time the coaches were hoping that leaders would emerge especially on the offensive side of the ball where 
you know, Manny Diaz didn't recruit any of those guys to Miami. These were all Mark Ricks guys. And I think that I think that Manny saw some stuff on that side of the ball, the Mike Harleys, the K.J. Osborns, um, you know, different guys who sort of stepped up to the plate and, and opened their mouths and said, hey, man, you know, you guys need to get your act together. And, um, you know, Harley talked about that uh, as well, it, you know, on Wednesday about how, you know, he called out two guys, two important players, you know, on the team. And I know people are speculating about who it is. I mean, it's pretty simple to see <laughs> uh, who those guys probably were, guys that, that have been suspended and, and you know, been benched because of off the field issues. So I think uh, I think it's a positive thing, man. W- will it last? Will it really mean anything this season? I mean, we'll find out Saturday, right? We'll see if they come out and play with the effort that they're supposed to. Um, but I think, you know, overall, as, as a program, these, this is all part of the, the situation. And I, and I spoke to somebody on staff last night who, you know, pretty much told me that, you know, they need this kind of stuff to happen because what they took over um, in terms of the offense and some of the issues on that side of the ball with leadership and whatnot, pe- people, you know, kind of underestimated how big of a deal and how big of a problem it really was. Like Manny just kept calling it the disease, right? We need to get rid of this disease. Um, the disease is still there. And until you flush out the roster and you bring in guys that are quote-unquote Manny Diaz guys, I think the problem's not going to go. And the only way to solve it while those Mark Rick guys are still here is by having leaders hold those other players accountable. I think that's that's it. And so I think it's a positive thing, but, you know, it, that doesn't mean it's going to last all season. You know, the mo- if they lose this game Saturday, I think there could be more finger-pointing and there could be more trouble. Yeah, the finger pointing I, I could see happening. I mean, I've I've been a part of at the, at least a high school level. I've been a part of coaching staffs where the team didn't go that great, and you see a lot of it. So I can only imagine what it would be like uh, at the Division One college level. So now for me, what I looked at going into this game because we know how it is. It's Florida State weekend. These guys know each other. These guys have played with each other. They've grown up together. A lot of these guys are friends for whether they played together at, at like Ja'Kai Clark and a couple of those guys that are that played at Florida State. Uh, but DJ Matthews, wide receiver uh, for Florida State, actually came out and said, I mean, he gave bulletin board material. And you know, you don't ever do that going into a big game like this. But he said the DBs at Miami are, quote unquote, n- nothing to him. They're not even a challenge. Was there something to be said about that throughout the week with the DBs? Because I would take that a bit personal. Yeah, um, you know it's funny we didn't we didn't see that uh, DJ had said that uh, when we got a chance to uh, talk to some of the guys yesterday on defense about that. Um, and today I don't think it didn't even come up today to be honest. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring bring back the veil here a little bit for the people who, who aren't able to go out to practice and and just sort of see the interviews on YouTube. I mean, a lot of these Miami players are coached up by Miami Sports Information Department mm-hmm. before they go and do interviews. So it's almost like there's no point in even asking them, hey, <laughs> you know, what do you think about the Florida State receiver saying you guys are nothing because they're all coached up and trained not to respond to that kind of stuff. But I'm sure internally um, those guys have to be pissed off and it has to affect them and they have to want to go out and beat Florida State. I mean, like you said, bulletin board material – um, it's motivation. It's extra motivation. Um, and, you know, while there is, you know, there's a lot of friendships between the players on these rosters because they played high school ball together and know each other, um, I think once the ball kicks off, I've been around enough Miami-Florida State games that the intensity level is going to go up and 
that kind of stuff, that bulletin board material will be brought out during the game. Now, for me, when I look at, you know, the overall spectrum of this game, you know, there was a quarterback named and then there was another quarterback added to the quarterback room or reinserted. Uh, Jaron Williams named the quarterback. I think this was a smart move here. And Tate Martell added back to the quarterback room as well. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, to me, it's more of a sign of Tate Martell maybe being frustrated that he can't get on the field as a wide receiver. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you look at the situation Miami just went through where both quarterbacks were dealing with injuries at, you know, on their shoulder. Um, and, and yet Tate Martell, who's healthy, is sitting there and he's like, well, what do I got to do to get on the field here? And I think, you know, part of the reason he skipped the Pittsburgh game was, uh, you know, I know they called it as a, a health reason, but I think the guy's just frustrated because he came here with every intention of playing and he's played hardly at all. And so I think the reason Tate Martell is back in the quarterback room is because he can probably see the writing on the wall. And that's that one of these two quarterbacks, Jaron or Nikosi, will not be here next year because they don't want to be the backup. They want to be the starter. They want to be playing. And I think Tate probably looks at that situation and says, well, receiver's not working out let me go back to quarterback which is what I feel comfortable playing and what I want to play and let me start competing for that job right now and so he's trying to learn and soak up I think as much as he can under Dan Eno so that um, you know he doesn't have to try and transfer again because at this point um, you know if he transfers somewhere else I'm not sure that you know he's going to be a starter there either Um, we've seen the struggles that he's gone through uh, at practice and in the spring game and other and other instances where he just looks like he can't really throw a football the way the other two guys can. So I think Tate is just trying to get a head start and trying to pursue his real dream, which is to be a quarterback. And, I mean, I've got a chance to see Tate in the spring game. I've also got a couple chances to see him in high school, and I wasn't greatly impressed dating back to his days in high school so the ball just jumps off of Jaron's arm a little bit different than it does even Nikosi and he doesn't have the biggest arm but you know the way he can extend plays Tate doesn't really do that he looks Tate is very small and I mean there's nothing no knock on Tate there's probably ways you can get him on the field quarterback may not be that but um you're always one injury away and we've seen that throughout this season so on the defensive side, because I know everyone loves offense. They often scores points. It brings people to the stadium. But on the defensive side, we've seen some guys come back from injuries. We've also seen some guys step up in, in the pit game. Uh, talk about some of those guys that are really make are making some impacts on the defensive side. Well, obviously, Gregory Rousseau, who's now leading the ACC and all freshmen nationally in sacks. I mean, he's he's up to eight sacks on the season. And, you know, we all knew that Greg was a tremendous talent. And we all wrote about how this was probably coming, that he was going to get to the point where he was going to start making some big time plays and um, really impressing uh, people with his athletic ability. I think, you know, what we saw on Saturday was a guy who not only is good at getting in the backfield, but because of his size and length, he's good at tracking quarterbacks down once they start to scramble. Um, You know, those were sacks, but as Manny Diaz pointed out, they weren't sacks where he whooped the offensive tackle and got right in the quarterback's face. They were sacks because the quarterback decided, I'm going to take off, and and he caught them before they could get past the line of scrimmage. And, And that's useful. I mean, that's really important for a defense, especially Miami's defense, which is in the past has been susceptible to quarterbacks who can run and scramble. And I think Greg is just a a huge weapon. 
Um, you know, obviously, I think Shaq Quarterman, you know, since he struggled early on in the, in, in the, in the season, I think he's really turned it up a level uh, the last couple of weeks. His, his stats and his numbers are much better. Um, I think he's playing at, at the kind of level that you would expect from a, a four-year starter and a senior. Um, and then in the secondary, you know, we've had an opportunity to see some guys develop, like Bubba Bolden, who obviously joined the team late and, and had to kind of get himself adjusted after transferring in from USC. He got a start in this last game, forced fumble. And, you know, right now they got four guys at safety who they, who they feel comfortable with. I think Robert Knowles, a guy who's been much maligned in his career, you know, he's been a consistent player for them here as a fifth-year senior, a guy who hasn't made very many mistakes, and he's, he's you know, kind of been – just a solid go-getter for him. So, um, you know, all in all, I mean, to me, this defense is it, – it's terrible that they have to play perfect almost every game, you know, that that sort of perfection is demanded from them every game. Otherwise, this team just does have, doesn't have a chance to win. I mean, you look at the three games against FBS opponents that Miami has won, I mean, the scores tell you the whole story. It's 17, you know, to 9, 17 to 12, and 16 to 12. It's hard to do that in college football nowadays with, with you know, spread offenses and uh, no huddle offenses. Uh, but this defense has played really, really well. Uh, I know they had a couple games where they missed tackles and, and, you know, they had blown assignments and coverage. But all in all, those guys are still putting up quality numbers and they're keeping the offense in every single game. Now, you know, last but not least, of course, the biggest question around campus, the biggest question around this team has been the kicking game. It has been, for a lack of better terms, trash. I mean, it's been really bad. Uh, but recently, last week, we saw a 22-yarder, and I think that 22-yarder, you would it was like the shot heard around the world because we haven't seen it. We just really haven't seen the confidence in this kicking game. Camden Price, he's the third guy up. Is he ready to take over here, or is there, are we still experimenting? What are we? What should we expect? Because we know how these Florida State Miami games go. I mean, we have heck, we have games that are named after missed kicks. So, what should right. we expect from the kicking game? Yeah, my my podcast is named after those Florida State missed kicks. <laughs> um, I think Camden Price is is certainly the guy right now. I think he, you know, he's the guy that Manny Diaz had always talked about um, before he had to deal with that two-game suspension uh, that he missed in the middle of the year. And I think Camden has kind of worked his way back into good graces. I watched him really closely at Heinz Field, him and the other kickers, during the pregame warm-ups. And um, Price was nailing field goals, you know, solidly right down the middle. Uh, from 47 and 52 yards so he's got a leg he gets the ball up high enough I think you know right now he just needs to kind of win Manny over in games where he feels confident going to him uh, you know with a 40 yard kick or a 45 yard kick you know I think I think from about 35 in I think he Manny Diaz feels comfortable going to Camden Price but you know, little by little, these opportunities are probably going to present themselves because we know Miami's offense isn't very good. They struggle to score points in the red zone. And so I think the more Camden Price gets opportunities, the better it looks for him, not only to be the kicker this season, but I think next season as well. Now, I can't let you get out of here without a pick for this week. What's your pick for this game? Well, I, I actually uh, made a pick already for the Athletic. Uh, we did a roundtable discussion to Sean Reed and I did. And um, where you know he covers Florida State for us, and so uh, I said one of our questions was pretend it's seven o'clock on Saturday, the game is over, and you're writing your game story. 
So I did that, and I and I predicted a Florida State victory, 30 to 25. Ooh. And yeah, I know that's not gonna make uh, Miami fans happy, but here's why I picked Florida State. I, I think the offensive problems Miami's had are still very much a work in progress. And you look at Florida State's offense and what they've done under Kendall Bryles, um, they've been able to put up some points. Their issue has been holding on to leads in the second half. Mm-hmm. So I think Miami's gonna fall behind early. They got a good running back in Cam Akers over there. And then I think they're going to come back, make it close before Florida State uh, wins the game. And, and, and look, it's going to be another one of those heart-pounding Miami-Florida State games. I don't see it going any other way. Definitely. Manny, it was great having you on, man. Hopefully, uh, the last time that on this show uh, Miami was picked against, which was last week, we were wrong. I don't want to make you wrong, but I need you to be wrong. So, <laughs> but it was Well, gr- that's what I'm trying to do because every time I pick Miami to win, they lose. So now I'm just going <laughs> to pick them to lose the rest of the season. Hey, that bad juju sometimes comes back on you. But, I, you know, I, I hope the Canes win, man. It was great having you on. Before we get you out of here, uh, let the fans again know where they can reach you and, some, and plug some of your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can definitely read me at theathletic.com. Um, you know, there's a free week subscription. If you go and you click on one of my story links uh, on Twitter uh, at Manny underscore Navarro, you can sign up for a free week. And there's also deals all the time for like 40% off. I know people are like, oh, I don't want to pay for stories. Uh, but it's not just to read, you know, what I write. We have a whole network of writers in multiple sports, uh, you know, professional, college, uh, international with soccer and, and other sports as well and, and the athletics is a smart investment if you if you just like reading good stories because we don't just write you know what everybody else writes we try to do more in-depth features and and that kind of stuff so um, if you like reading and you want you want a diff- something different than what you're used to definitely check out theathletic.com that's Manny Navarro folks he's a good read man I've been reading your work for years now so take my word for it folks he's the goods well, Manny, it was great having you on, man. We definitely got to have you on at another point in the season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man, and uh, just let me know, and we'll, we'll get together again. All right, man. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Manny Navarro of The Athletic for stopping by to talk Canes football. Now, recruiting is the lifeblood of all college football, and it would not be Florida State Miami week without talking a little recruiting which is the lifeblood of the sport but it actually gets a little bit more personal when you involve two rivals florida state and miami have gone back and forth over some of the biggest recruits in the state and also in the country and we're going to wrap up this show by talking about some of the top recruits that these two programs are fighting over while the actual game itself has huge implications for both schools as a win saturday would give each program some much needed momentum In the middle of a disappointing season, a victory could also help with recruiting, seeing as how the two rivals consistently battle it out for the same recruits. Last cycle, Florida State got the best of the Hurricanes, flipping cornerback Jarvis Brownlee late in the the process and beating out Miami for a pair of coveted offensive linemen in Darius Washington and Dante Lucas. The cycle before that, it was Miami who plucked edge rusher Pat Joyner from Florida State's class in the winter months. Miami currently holds the nation's number 17 ranked recruiting class according to the industry-generated 27 sports composite team ranking. The Seminoles check in at number 13, which is one spot ahead of Florida. Safety Jalen Harrell, uh, who hails from Highland Champaign Catholic, uh, is a four-star defensive back 
who decommitted from Florida State two weeks ago and was at Hard Rock a few days later for Miami's overtime loss to Georgia Tech. The lengthy defender uh, said last week that the two rivals are on his short list of favorites and will likely receive official visits from him before he makes a final decision. So why did he even back off of a pledge to the, to the Florida State Seminoles? Uh, Harold claims that because he wanted to respect Florida State's policy, which discourages committed prospects from visiting other schools. Georgia Tech and UCF are also involved. Now, running back Jalen Knighton, who is from Deerfield Beach, uh, is a is committed to Florida State. Back in he committed back in the summer, and he's picking the nose over the, he picked the nose over the Canes as well as the Buckeyes of Ohio State. While many had assumed he had kind of shut down his recruitment and was going to sign uh, with Taggart's program, the dynamic running back showed up to Hard Rock for the Virginia Tech game a few weeks ago with his parents. The odds of the Canes even flipping Knighton don't appear to be all that high, but who knows what could happen if Miami makes a statement Saturday as Knighton is scheduled to be in Tallahassee. Miami and Florida State are the only two schools that Tampa Berkeley prep defensive end Jalen Harrell has visited over the last six months. Both schools have yet to really turn up the heat on the edge rusher, which is likely because his recruitment is expected to go the distance and stretch to February's traditional National Signing Day. Right now, uh, he is split between the Seminoles and, and the Gators, but the Hurricanes should be viewed as, as just as much of a Contender, especially after sending a coach to watch Harold play during the team's bye week. Palm Beach Central four-star wide receiver Brian Robinson is a former Miami commit that is expected to take a official visit to Florida State this weekend. The polished, ca- the polished pass catcher committed to the Hurricanes when current Seminoles wide receivers coach Ron Dugans was still on the staff in Coral Gables. And while Robinson hasn't really had his name linked much to UM, since opening his recruitment back up, he's still a prospect that both schools have wanted at different points in the cycle. Robinson is also believed to be considering both Pittsburgh and Alabama. Miami Palmetto's Corey Collier is arguably the Sunshine State's top safety in this class of 2021. The son of former Florida State defensive back Cornelius Collier might seem like a lock to sign with the Knowles, given the family ties to the program, but he's a kid that has visited Coral Gables multiple times in the past and said some positive things about the Hurricanes. Florida could also be considered as a dark horse as one of for for this recruit. Miami Northwestern wide receiver Romilio Brinson is one of Miami's top-ranked commits in the class of 2021. He has stayed true to his word through the Hurricanes' bumpy start in the season, but is planning to sit in FSU's designated section for recruits this weekend, which suggests the Knowles might have some traction after getting him up to campus back in the summer for Saturday Night Live. LSU is another school that Brinson has checked out and and one that could emerge as a possible late flip contender, but we don't see that happening. And last but not least, Brandon Jennings' father, uh, Bradley Sr., played at Florida State. His brother, Bradley Jr., is currently a linebacker at Miami, while both schools want the blue-chip talent out of Jacksonville Sandalwood, who is currently pegged as the nation's number four outside linebacker in the class of 2021. One would have to think that if the Hurricanes are able to beat the Knowles for the third straight year, let's repeat that, the third straight year, 
that sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, that he could help that that could help swing uh, things in UN's favor. Although it should be noted that the youngest Jennings could also end up out of state at some schools like possibly Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, or other schools that we just don't care about. As we get closer to the end of the week, where we'll be able to answer your questions, make sure you go leave us a a line on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Also, make sure you follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. Leave us your questions with the hashtag LOC Mailbag. We'll be back on tomorrow to talk with a special Miami, a former Miami Hurricane, so he can give us uh, some stories, some thoughts on this game as we get closer and closer to Saturday. Make sure you, if you're going to the game, help paint the city orange and green. That is our house. That is Hard Rock North. Let's fill the stadium up. And on Friday, we have a special treat for you, so stay tuned. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much just yet, but just understand we're cooking up something that you guys will really like. But again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnCanes, for the latest information about the show, as well as uh, what's going on with the Canes. Until next time, folks, go Canes.